0: haven't seen you since San Diego.
1: Hello, hello, <laughs> so with the so CEO. good oh, to I see you. Okay, that's what I'm talking good. about. Good,
0: amazing. Right, welcome to world-famous coin studio. All right. Yes, ma'am, let's go get hard in the paint. Let's do it. You see this ring? Brought your tennis shoes?
1: <laughs> hey, I brought my heels that has traction on it, so can ball it up either way.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. Hey, this is your boy here in Showtime, Taylor.
1: Villavan with Innovation City.
0: Hard in the paint.
1: Let's go. Great Academy. <laughs> going
0: live. Gorgeous glass to liquor store. Get some paint clothes. Everybody, welcome to Heart in the paint. My name is Aaron Shorton Taylor. Today, my guest is Villavon. I'm going to let her do her last name. She is the CEO of Innovator City. We're going to talk about her and her accomplishments on Heart of the Pound. How are you doing?
1: Good. How are you?
0: Well, I got you here finally.
1: <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. Yeah.
0: Um... Backstory real quick. We met due to a football league, 7-on-7 seven seven fast track. Good. Right? You needed an announcer. I needed a job. Absolutely. And then we started talking. And what happened?
1: We started talking. And it was just an instant connection. Mm-hmm. I mean, automatically. We felt that. Right? And um, you, you, I mean, you amped it up. It was, it was an amazing conversation, and we were like, this is it. This is it. Let's go. Right. <laughs>
0: and because of you, I met Daniel Harvey, who was on the uh, show once before. That's right. you host. Yes, yes. And we're mm-hmm. talking about making history. Now, when we're talking about making history, right, mm-hmm. uh, I guess over the past 10 years or so, but let's get specifically uh, right around the 2016 election, yeah. right? And uh, we start seeing a change with a lot of women coming forward and women stepping into uh, their own space and commanding their space, right? Talk about what it's like for you as a CEO, right? Making the transition from where you were before to becoming a CEO and operating in that space that's usually operated by men. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Really good question. I mean, it's been intense, you know, Um, but it's also nothing that I'm not used to just because of the sheer fact that everything is male-dominated, really, at the end of the day, you know? the streets that were built that we're walking on, the buildings that you know we currently have today, the laws, the rules, the regulations, right? Like that's just history. Right. Now, um, I was always in different boardrooms and different meetings. Um, and I was either the only woman in the room and or the only woman in minority in mm-hmm. the room. And that was really in the corporate space where I built my career. But I also grew up in an underestimated community, an underserved community, right? In National City. Um, in, in down in San Diego, right. and um, again, first generation immigrant. You don't know what you don't know. A huge amount of that was a big learning curve. So, coming into these spaces and where I'm at now, um, it's a male-dominated industry through and through. Right. You know, we're talking technology. I'm the I'm the tech founder and CEO of Innovation City, right? I'm also um, you know the entire media side. That's male-dominated as well of IC Media. Mm-hmm. Um, investments, male-dominated, so back in really kind of 2016, 2017 was when I saw, you know, the need to really kind of come to my own within that. But it amplified because to me it was just more than, you know, uh, gender and race. It was socioeconomic issues, right, at the end of the day. So, I mean, the experiences that I've had really have built me to where I am now. Um, I don't take anything for granted whatsoever. It's been an amazing ride. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know we, we see the empowerment pieces that are needed on the single mom at the end of the day too. So for me, the most motivating piece was, she has to see this. Right. Someone has to make it happen, right? right? And and if I can control that in terms of um, how she comes into the world and really kind of branches out and comes into her home, that
0: I've done my job. And that's really what we um, actually are looking for or expecting or striving for when it comes to looking at the following generations, what examples are we setting to them, right? right? And and when you mentioned a minute ago about uh, operating in spaces that are uh, male-dominated and dealing with the tech industry in particular, now, I don't think it's a secret that women in America actually hold the degrees in college, have the highest uh, education, or getting into those spaces, right? When you look at that, do you look at it more as quality or equity? Mm, really right? And it's for some people, they understand the subtle difference between the two. So it's if you can, explain how you understand it and then what you're actually looking for, what you're actually seeing in that space.
1: Yeah, I mean, really good question. The 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 differences I really feel is um I actually I actually fought for one of the first initiatives in San Diego um, for equal pay mm-hmm. um, and it was a historic movement um, that got passed by city council Right,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and it was equal pay to bring in women and minorities into the whether it's construction spaces and or the people that get the organizations that get
0: contracts
1: mm-hmm. right. Um, so equal pay is a huge Huge, huge element of what um, we we need to see a lot more of. Definitely, absolutely, and especially within the tech industry. And I think back then was when a huge amount of information blew up out there that yeah. you know people in Silicon Valley were being misrepresented and or they're not getting paid their for you know wage, et cetera, et cetera. But at the end of the day, um, that needs to be brought to the forefront, and it was mm-hmm. right, which sparked the whole. I think women's movement. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that was amazing and great. And we're continuing to see the impact now um, of, of where that's led. So um, in terms of equality and you know, equity, right. those, are, those are two big pieces that really, I, I feel like equity is now being brought to the forefront mm-hmm. right? when the conversations previously were equality.
0: right? And the reason I bring it up, and like I said, it's a subtle difference right, because equality is something that people actually are striving for, and in my humble opinion, I think had they, strip, had they put more energy in, into looking at the equity that's involved, right, then you start seeing the worth that each individual brings to the table, and it's not, well, we're just going to give you something just because you fit this box or over here. Let's make it equitable. Let's look at each individual and see what they bring, right, and I think when we do look at things like that, I take that and immediately take it back to sports. Right. Which Good. is, we both have a history in it, right? Exactly. And if we look at this because we're on part of the paint as a basketball team, then you would be the point guard, correct? That's right. And, and I what, was. And, and, and exactly. <laughs> and what is your job as a point guard, metaphorically, in relation to how you run the business that you, you run? You
1: call the place. <coughs> you call the place on the court, you lead it down. You heard that. You take it to the hoop if you have to. <laughs> and... And or you pass it, sometimes you, you hit it on the outside, you know, mm-hmm. but you ultimately go hard in the paint no matter what. Right. And it really lands on you at the end of the day.
0: So now let's take this, let's, let's continue using this metaphor because, as with it being hard in the paint, you have the five players that are on the court that are actually doing the work in that moment. So, what's going on with the bench players, AKA the people who are coming up in training, getting ready to get into the job market?
1: Good, good question. And I love these analogies, <laughs> I love it. Um, You're watching, you're paying attention, you are making sure that you know what's going on on the field, or on the court, right?
0: Or the field, if you're playing playing football, whatever whatever sport sport it is, the metaphor of
1: Exactly, exactly, but you're paying attention. Mm -hmm. Um, Soak it all in as much as you possibly can, because when your call is up, you better be ready to play. Yeah, they call the
0: next player up.
1: (laughs) Yep, and I coach too, all at the same time. We're going
0: to go right into the sports, so I'm glad you said that, so now... You played point guard down in San Diego area? Yeah. Okay, talk about that for a minute. Tell me, give me some of your sports history. Why are you going hard in the paint when it comes to sports now?
1: I mean, basketball was really my first love, mm-hmm. um, through and through, since I was eight years old. And it's interesting that you brought up even, like, quality in, in the beginning because um, my mom's very traditional. First-generation immigrant, right? So when we got here, I fell in love with basketball. Um, and that was my time to get on the court, get away from the house, whatever it was, right? Mm-hmm. And and just shoot. That, my thing was
0: just shooting. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and so her thought was <clears throat> women aren't supposed to be on the basketball court.
0: And I was going to ask you to kind of go into what traditional men, but I said, no, let me get yeah. you back because it's going to come in yep. episode. Right?
1: Yeah, right. Absolutely. And so
0: when you're talking about tradition, you're speaking of what particular tradition?
1: Asian tradition. Asian tradition. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where, where, like, I mean, just values, you know. Um, the, where the women are
0: supposed to be demure. They're supposed <laughs> to, you know, be nice, kind, of quiet, petite. Right. Know what I'm right. And we have a basketball player,
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I was good at it. <laughs> and, and you know, and so I, as soon as I knew that I was good at it, that's right. something that I just continuously pursued to the point where. I knew I was going to break some of her rules. I knew I was going to um, do whatever it was to continue that love and that passion, right? Mm-hmm. And when we talk about going hard on the paint, I went hard for ball. <laughs> <laughs> to the point where I did not eat for almost a week just because she told me to not go on the court. And until they came to my basketball game and they saw how I played and it was all hands off.
0: Now, for those of you that just missed that, let me break that down for you. <laughs> Her mother told her not to play basketball and she went on a hunger strike for a week. Yep. That's, ded- that's dedication to the game. I,
1: did what I, I
0: got happened. to give you some daffod now. you <laughs> like, Mom, I ain't trying to hear none of that. I'm finna get on this court. You know what I'm saying? If you ain't letting me on the court, I
1: ain't eating. <laughs> and that was that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and so, you go through high school?
1: Yep. And then you go to, uh, you
0: have a collegiate career as well? Mm-hmm. Talk to us.
1: I did. um I, I mean, captain through and through, um I was actually I was actually ranked number one in national city um in my city that I grew up in um, when I was well, in elementary. Um, that's when I knew this this was something that I you know wanted to pursue. my dream definitely was to get into the WNBA when it first you know started and
0: all that great stuff yeah 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 yeah
1: Yeah. and then Lisa Leslie was up and you know sparks and all of the above and so by the time that I had gotten into um uh uh high school college that was I mean it it was there you know once you fall in love with it it never goes away it never goes away
0: let me. I want to transition to another subject, and we're still going to use the sports metaphor because you also are a fierce, fierce advocate when it comes to criminal justice reform Absolutely. and social justice issues, right? And using that sports analogy that, that I've been using, right, we see where the defense has a plan that looks like whatever the offense does not only we're we going to counteract it, but we're going to try to change the narrative and spin it someplace else. And as a person that's fighting for a perspective that's viewed as social justice and criminal justice reform, how would you approach that? The people that are involved with the issues on the fringes seem to get more attention than the actual work that's getting done. How do you look at that in a sports metaphor and get more focus on these stats instead of these stats? That's
1: a really, really great question. There's a huge amount of people that are doing criminal justice, you know, work, um, especially within the communities that don't get that shine and don't get that light, right? right. And it's, it's it's huge, I think, and important for us to really recognize and identify the people that are closest to the issues are the ones that have the solution. Right. Um, and and that's the, just the reality of it, you know? Um, and you have your, I was also a policy advisor as well, um, for a current now man, uh, of my hometown, and... You know, there's everybody that gets the shine, that gets the light, right? Um, there's there are certain individuals and in certain groups that do, and you're connected, ultimately. Um, but we do have a huge amount of people that are feet on the ground, that are through and through, day to day, like, making it happen, um, and, and speaking, and voicing, and advocating. Um, I think it's critical and key for those individuals to really kind of get that shine because, mm-hmm. uh, again, the ones that are closest to the issues, the ones that have been impacted, um, are the ones that feel it and understand it, and we got to bring them in to be able to create the solution.
0: And See, I like that, right, because that also brings into the conversation allies mm-hmm. and understanding what it means to be an ally mm-hmm. in a fight that was created virtually 400 years ago. Okay. That we have to take decades to peel back each layer of an onion. So, in your perspective, and working with this from that from that uh, experience, where do allies fit into this conversation, and how can they help? Yeah.
1: Allies are critical and key, right? Like, at the end of the day, you, it, something as big as this can't be done with one organization, one group, one person, alone. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, it takes a multitude of people to be able to like make all of the moving parts of the pieces work. Right. If we're talking about sports, you have your point guard, you know, you have your forward, um, you have your center, all of the above. Right. Mm-hmm. Like so, you have all these key individuals, of whether they're calling the players or whether they're not, um, and you've got to be able to make sure that all the moving parts of the pieces are coming collectively together. Mm-hmm. So, how in terms of like how allies. Um, can really advocate and be a voice is opening, breaking down those doors, you know what I mean? Breaking down those barriers, breaking down those walls because if you're, if you have a seat at the table in each and every one of those rooms, any room that you may be in, and I've been in plenty, it's important and critical for you to bring in and lift other people up to be that voice that know it, that see it, that feel it. Um, And that's what the allies' role really is. Breaking down those doors, you mm-hmm. know, um, opening it up and being able to advocate
0: for other people, other groups, or
1: other organizations that are doing
0: the work. And I'm going to tell you why I bring it up because <clears throat> well, I've been home 19 months and I get into the social media group. And what I notice is whoever steps up to help, there's always somebody standing there saying why they can't help. And it's usually based on. Uh, That person's or that group of people's understanding of what they think blackness is, brownness, yellowness, whiteness, redness. It's always somebody else giving this opinion, and they don't seem to understand that it's those type of people working together to do exactly what you just said. Because if I can't go in and, let's say, buy a house in this particular area, and I have an ally who who looks like the type of people that they want to sell the house to, that ally is the one that goes in and breaks that barrier down and shows yes. where, this, where this particular individual was using their position for whatever reason, racist, financial, whatever the reason is, you needed that person to be able to get in and expose that. Absolutely, I'm all about bringing people in that are actually out on the ground doing work on hard of the Pain. You are actually out doing the work. The people that I bring on my show are actually out doing the work. The people that I decide to bring onto this show do work. That's right That's they go right. hard in the paint on the regular basis absolutely we have to where do you see yourself and where you plan on taking innovative city five years from now
1: innovation city five years from now um one of the key components and, and what we actually did this brought a huge talk about advocacy this brought a huge thing to light for me in regards to criminal justice and social reform um during the pandemic especially um one of my very good friends, Genevieve Jones Wright, uh, she she is a huge advocate. Um, and you're going you're gonna to definitely meet her. She needs to be on the show because she goes hard in the paint.
0: <laughs> you heard that. She just booked a show for me, so we're going to be looking for that in the future. I, I'm, I'm, I'm counting on that. She just booked that show for us. We got that
1: covered. Don't worry about it. That. And you're going to want her in here. <laughs> so um, she's you know she been a huge advocate. Um, ran for district attorney in San Diego to really try to flip. to... to we got to integrate, you know what I mean? Right. To be able to change this narrative right here. So um, I knew and I found out when the entire shutdown happened during the pandemic um, that the PPP loans and the PPP process was going on, but the people that were not able to get anything,
0: speak on it, <laughs> nothing,
1: were formerly incarcerated entrepreneurs, business owners, still paying their taxes, still doing what they do still, you know, getting, getting their lives together, right? Whatever, whatever the case may be, but the whole shutdown and all of a sudden we casted this entire group and this entire side of people because of the sheer fact that they were formerly incarcerated, Mm. which to me was absolutely appalling. I found out through my brother who was, you know, formerly incarcerated. And, um, I was like, oh, I don't know if I can burst on this, but do
0: we don't do any censorship here? You can speak your mind.
1: Okay, Say, I was what, like, the hell but, no.
0: Saying, <laughs> that's on. right,
1: that's right. I was like, this is not happening. We need to do something about this. So I brought it. I brought. I brought it to Jen, and I brought it to like. Sure enough, um, we got integrated with uh, Vincent Bragg, actually from Concrete. Mm-hmm. He's the founder and CEO of Concrete.
0: Disclaimer, inside note. We met Concrete when we were doing TEDx up in San Francisco a few weeks back. Oh. Concrete will be on Heart in the in a few weeks.
1: That's right. <laughs> I love Vincent.
0: Yeah. Um, Vincent and Joker.
1: Right. Yeah. Great. Right. So, um, you know, they, we met them and we were like, how do we make this happen? Mm-hmm. So we launched a fund to be able to create something, you know, um, and, and create that voice. Because, again, I'm in the investment side as well. So if I can kick down these doors mm-hmm. to bring funding to the table to be able to support, you know, individuals that are getting their lives together like everybody else and trying to make something happen for them, their families, then, you know, that, that, that's what we can do at the very
0: least. Got to have a one, two, and five year plan. You just heard her. <laughs> so you know where your camera's at. Your camera's right there, right? And uh, at this point, I want you to give a closer statement about Whatever it is that's on your mind
1: and your heart. All right. Well, I think it's critical and key for each and every single one of us to come together, especially during you know times like these, times like um, what we just went through. Whether it's during the pandemic, I think we're still in the pandemic, but we're coming out of the pandemic. And um, what we can do is advocate for each and every single person. We can we can make sure that we kick down these doors if we do have a seat at the table. Um, And I think it's critical and key for us to really kind of come together to make magic happen because this is a time and there's no better time than now. Um, And we can absolutely empower one another. Um, There's there's more than enough in this world for everybody to eat. (laughs) And we need to make sure that we collectively make it happen. Um, I'm very honored to be here, Uh, I'm excited for everything that we're going to be doing together, right? Um, you know, we're, we have the whole football league that's getting started. We have um, a huge amount of history that, that's that's going to, you know, happen and it's going to be made, um, and that currently is being made as of
0: now. And that's what I'm gonna close out with for this uh, edition of Heart and the Pain. History that's being made. Mm-hmm. Everything that I'm being asked to do has been historic at this point, and I understand that going into it. <clears throat> But I want to talk about the humility that I bring to that, because when the Warriors came to me and first asked me, did I want to be in the Chase Center doing public address with the team, my first thought was no, because I understood the pressure that was going to be put on me to be the first formerly incarcerated individual to do public address at a live NBA game. But that's not all that's being done. I'm not the only person out here that's formerly incarcerated that's making things happen. The company she just mentioned, Concreate, with Vince and Joe, are out here doing things. The place where we sit at right now, filming this, is from a formerly incarcerated person. The majority of the guests that have been on Heart in the Paint are formerly incarcerated. The majority of the connects that I make when we start talking about connecting business to business and creating a hub, those people are formerly incarcerated. My job as Aaron Showtime Taylor and using this platform of Hard in the Paint is to give a whole new meaning to what it means to be formally incarcerated. That's my job, I accept it with humility, and I'm gonna keep doing it, and I'm gonna keep bringing people in here who are out doing the work. <laughs> this is V, this is Showtime, you have been hard in the...